Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. First off, I love that you're calling these documents you obtained the Google Files. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of the show The X Files. Greetings, Earthly. <laughs> Second off, um, I'm now fully expecting that this is going to be a conversation about supernatural investigations that involve Google, and there's going to be some cheesy mid-90s sci-fi theme music playing below us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is The Google Files. And for today's mystery... These documents show what Google did to gain power over online search in the early 2000s and how it continued to dominate the market throughout the late 2010s, including how it took over emerging areas like mobile search. Leah Nylon on new documents that reveal how Google became the giant that it is today and how federal regulators let it happen. A story that starts in 2011. It was a really big investigation at the time. It was one of the biggest investigations that the FTC had done. The Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, had decided to launch an antitrust probe into whether Google was abusing monopoly powers on the internet. Federal regulators have begun a formal antitrust investigation into Google's business practices. Legal analysts say those concerns will likely focus on Google's search results, whether they favor Google's own product offerings such as mapping or comparison shopping. This probe was really the U.S.'s first attempt to do anything with the big tech giants. And as one of my sources said, it was really a swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. And that miss came at a press conference in 2013. Uh, Good afternoon. Thank you all for coming. I was actually on the beat at the time, and so this is almost like (laughs) coming back full circle for me. I was watching the press conference and heard my own question. Wow. And they said that they weren't going to sue Google. Uh, This morning, by a bipartisan vote, or actually two bipartisan votes of four to one and five to nothing, uh, the Federal Trade Commission announces comprehensive, uh, a comprehensive settlement of all of our competition-related investigations uh, into Google. And unlike a normal resolution for a case, they decided to accept voluntary commitments from Google. Normally what they would do is they have a consent order. That way, if, if someone violates it, they can bring them to court. So it was really surprising to everyone that one, the FTC ended up not suing Google, and two, that they decided to accept this sort of toothless settlement from them. So a lot of people have wondered why the FTC decided to do what it did at the time. And now you've got the documents, the the Google files, cue music, that (laughs) explain that, that explain how the FTC decided not to pursue an antitrust suit against Google. Yeah, so whenever the FTC investigates something, they always assign a bunch of lawyers and economists to any case. And then those people go forth Mm -hmm. and investigate. They'll talk to lots of people. They'll look at a lot of documents and a lot of data. And then they'll each make a recommendation for the FTC about what they think the agency should do. And from there, the FTC's commissioners, these are the politically appointed people, will make a decision on whether to sue or settle, or in this case, uh, close the probe. Mm -hmm. So These memos outline exactly what the regulators found when they were investigating Google and their conclusions. And these documents are not something that are generally ever made public. They're 
closely held within the agency, very sensitive documents. But in 2015, the FTC accidentally released part of them to the Wall Street Journal as part of a Freedom of Information Act request. (laughs) That is quite the accident to make. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) they said it was an accident. They gave the Wall Street Journal every other page of the first memo. And it was redacted. Every other page? Every other page. (laughs) So like one and three and five and seven. Yeah, it was actually, it was all the odd page numbers. So it's sort of funny, like within the antitrust community, people have poured over these odd numbered pages to try and figure stuff out. But it's really hard when you're reading every other page of a document to figure out exactly what something meant. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was really great to get these documents. So have every page and have them unredacted because we were able to see some of the things that they were grappling with that Google had done and lots of information about how Google had changed its algorithm in response to competitors over time. So what exactly did you learn reading through all the Google files? It was really interesting. There were a lot more things that the FTC investigated than anyone ever knew. One of those is that the FTC at the time actually did look at Google's control over mobile search. So if you remember back in like 2011, 2012, that's when like smartphones were just starting to be popular with everyone. Uh In 2011, something like 82% of Americans had a cell phone, but only like 35% of people had a smartphone. Mm. And there were still quite a few different ones. You know, BlackBerry was still pretty popular then. Yeah, I remember those. You had the iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. And um, Android was just starting to be um, popular. I think either 2012 or 2013 is the year that Android sort of took over the smartphone market. Mm -hmm. So the FTC looked at the time at these contracts that Google had with lots of people. So they had them with Apple. They had them with the individual wireless carriers like AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. And then they also had them with smartphone manufacturers. And what they wanted was to be the default search on every mobile phone, pretty much. And that's pretty much what they were able to do. They ended up being the default search engine on something like 86% of smartphones within the United States. That's sort of interesting because the FTC never said when it closed the probe that it looked at this. And now, you know, 10 years later, the Justice Department has brought an antitrust suit over this exact behavior and these exact contracts. The difference is now, you know, it's been going on for eight to 10 years. It's going to be very difficult for them to do anything because there are so few competitors now within the search market. If the FTC had done something back in 2011 or 2012, we might not have had the situation we have today. So in 2013, the FTC's seen these contracts. They know that Google's trying to become the search engine unlike every smartphone, but they decide not to take action Did you learn anything from reading through these documents about why they didn't or like what informed their decision here? There's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Um, There are two different recommendations that are sort of the main ones that the commissioners generally look at. Those are the ones by the antitrust lawyers and then the ones by the economists. And in this case, the antitrust lawyers and the economists really disagreed. So the economists said that they didn't think that there was much of a problem here. And the antitrust lawyers said that they thought there was. Mm -hmm. And the FTC ultimately chose not to do anything. They they chose to go with the economics arguments, which is, is pretty unusual. Another thing that was really interesting was some of the things that they predicted about the future of technology look very odd, you know, today, 10 years later. 
Like they kept talking about how mobile search was not that important. Hmm. Um, they kept noting that, you know, only about 8% of searches take place on mobile phones. And that was true at the time because not that many people had mobile phones. But today, more than half, something like 60 something percent of searches take place on mobile phones because you bring it with you everywhere. You know, if you're out and about and you're trying to find directions, you use your phone. If you want to get a coffee, you look up, you know, where's the coffee shops near me? And, I, you know, I was talking to some technology analysts and they said, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that this was the way that the market was moving. But the FTC sort of missed it completely. I know it's not our jobs to say whether something or someone was right or wrong. But I got to ask, like looking back, was the FTC wrong here in deciding not to legally pursue Google? I don't know that it's my place to say whether they are wrong or not, but I am sure that a lot of people are going to look at this information that they had at the time and wonder why they didn't do something. The FTC said, if you go back to this press conference that I'm talking about. Google's primary reason for changing the look and feel of its search results to highlight its own products was to improve the user experience. That what they found was on balance that Google's products were good for consumers. Um, but that's not really what they found. Um, they didn't even look at the biggest change that Google made to its product, which was introducing Google Shopping. They introduced that in May 2012. The FTC concentrated much of its investigation on these changes that Google had made to the algorithm in 2007 and then later 2011. So when they closed it in 2013, they hadn't even looked at this huge change that Google had just made six months before. Mm. Let's say the FTC had considered that or they did think about the importance of mobile search back then differently and did say, hey, they're too big. They are abusing monopoly powers and they did take action against Google. How do you think that could have changed where we are today? I think the world, the technology world, would certainly be very different today. As I said, the FTC were not the only people who were looking at this. The Europeans also looked at Google, and they ended up finding the company something in the realm of $9 billion for various things that uh, they found to be anti-competitive. The difference is European regulators can't do something like break up Google because Google's an American company. Huh. U.S. regulators, if they had done something, would have had that option. And that's why there's so much discussion now about whether they should break up Google because its power now is exponentially larger than it was back in 2013. Leah Nylon. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today, Representative Deb Holland has won Senate confirmation to lead the Interior Department, becoming the first Native American cabinet member in U.S. history. The progressive Democrat had faced stiff opposition from Republicans who fear her anti-fossil fuel activism will hurt their state economies as she helps to develop President Joe Biden's ambitious climate change strategy. But senators ended up voting in her favor yesterday, 51 to 40. As head of the Interior Department, Holland will oversee the agency that manages 20% of U.S. land and nearly a quarter of the nation's oil and gas production. And 
The FAA is planning to extend its zero-tolerance policy toward unruly passengers as soon as this week. That's according to two sources familiar with the plan who spoke with Politico. Lawmakers, unions, and industry officials have been asking the FAA to extend the policy, which was adopted in January in the wake of the riots at the Capitol and was slated to end on March 30th. The policy allows for strict penalties and fines of up to $35,000 for any passenger who refuses to wear a mask on a plane or who disrupts a flight with threatening or violent behavior. It's unclear when the new policy will end. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, tell a friend to check out the show and leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.